Um, as is becoming traditional before the week of every can, we uh, name and shame anyone who put fake health concerns on their uh, camp form. Um, so um, if they're hilarious but true, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> first one is uh, anonymous. Um, someone said Anna has a bad attitude. <laughs> but, um, um, sorry? No, I don't know who said that. Um, Lyle Jasper's emergency contact? Jesus. <laughs> What's his number? I don't know. 555. Um, uh, Matthew Beard's health concern was global food poverty. <laughs> I think he missed the point there. Um, Alicia King, a bit mental, will be escaping from rehab to come. Um, true. Um, right, we will meet Alicia next weekend. Um, Max Robinson, health concern, high deliberative strength. Um, people have done strength, why do I find that hilarious? Um, Hamish Dobby, I'm sick, sick and tired of Scotty's tomfoolery. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> uh, Mason Ward, um, Vicky and Mason and their daughter Imogen. I am cantankerous and suffer from severe infant cuteness. <laughs> so oh. Alright, so that is um, not quite as sharp as last time. I expect a better effort next time, folks. Um, but welcome to Vision Sunday. Uh, Rose and I are going to split this in two for tonight. And what's going to happen is I'm going to talk um, big picture. Some of you will know that our blueprint um, is much bigger than just this community now. That there is a community of people at the free store um, who now have like a, a regular get together and Bible study on a Monday. And then uh, eating together um, most evenings of the week. And games nights and all sorts of awesome stuff. There is uh, the community out in Lyle Bay who are cranking along um, and all these folks will be with us at camp next weekend too, which is going to be, be really, really exciting. Yeah, and then of course there is this community here, but I want to start by talking a little bit about who we are. Um, and there are three kind of images that are central to who we are as a community. And the first of these is this picture of the Harakiki, all this lax plant. Um, and um, who's familiar with this image in Blueprint? A few. I'm glad I'm sharing this then. Good. Um, okay, so basically with a flax plant, um, a few years ago we had a, uh, we had a camp and I um, basically bought like 50 flax plants and, and brought them to our community and asked them to come up to the front and choose a plant that um, felt special to them. Um, and so they, um, they all grabbed a plant and took one home. Did anyone grab one of those plants here? Yeah. Jesse. Jesse, is your plant alive? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, I think there's one alive somewhere. Um, but anyway, um, one, one thing we looked at is this, this beautiful picture with the harakiki or the flax plant, um, where there are these delicate inner shoots in the flax plant, um, which are called the retor. Um, and the idea is that they sit right in the heart of the plant, um, where they are safe and where they're, nur where they're nurtured. You go out from that, that bulb in the middle to the afi retor, uh, which are shoots which have grown out from the inside and are there to protect the delicate inner shoots. And then beyond that we have the tūpuna, uh, which are the shoots which hang over the sides, the ones most of us see 
but they're exposed to the rain, to the element, and uh, to the elements, and to everything around them. And this became an important picture for us at Blueprint um, around the, the different stages of um, faith and community that people may find themselves in here. For a long time, this has been a place that is really safe for people to heal and recover. Um, right at the beginning of our of this church, it was a mess of people trying to find their way back to Jesus, um, and it continues to be that. I know for there are many people here um, who you may be um, struggling with different things in your health, um, or you may have just had a rough season of life, um, or it may just be for many people in our age group, you're deconstructing your faith, and you've realised that the faith you were given by maybe parents or youth group or something doesn't actually stand up to the questions that your life is now asking of you. Um, and so we have a lot of people here in a space of fragility in their faith, and we're kind of okay with that. Like, we have always tried to be a place where there's no questions you can't ask. Um, and, um, and to be real, as, as I was before, um, about the struggle that many people who come through this place experience. So I want to say to you, if you are someone who um, struggles along and your faith has not been one constant upward trajectory, then you are in good company here. And you will find other people here. And so what I want to say to you in that image is right at the centre of the harakeke is the um, burrito, those shoots which are held. And in our community, there are people who arrive here and they need to be held right in the middle of this place. And I want to give you permission tonight to come here and to be the rito and to sit right in the middle of this place and to heal and to be held. But one step further than that is we don't want you to be here forever being held, but we actually all want to grow out into maturity to where we can hold other people too. And so the afirites or the shoots which, which come one out sit there and have grown into some maturity and then begin to hold the vulnerable among them and, and love people back to life, as we've talked about at different times, to love people back to life. But the ultimate goal that we want for all of us is that all of us would be compelled by Christ to lay down our lives to the elements and to the brokenness and to the hurt of a, of a broken world. That we want to expose our lives to the wind and the rain and, and lay our lives down and give our lives away. As Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you will lose it. So that is the journey we have for you here. If you've arrived here tonight and you need to be held, then you can be held. But we want to hold you so you can hold others. And in the end, we want all of us to lay our lives down for the cause of Christ's kingdom here. Um, and so our movement is always outwards here. Our movement is not inwards. Our movement is always towards more healing, more wholeness, more mission, more engagement with a hurting world. Um, wherever you find yourself on that journey. So that is, has been a big image for us. And you can find a video about that on the Blueprint website, um, which is a bit cringe these days. It's kind of me in front of a green screen and cartoons jump around me. It's just... Um, but it was cool like five years ago. Um, the second image that has been powerful to us is from 1 Samuel 22. And this is the cave of Adullam. And uh, some of you will be familiar with this. But um, David basically is, is having like the worst time. He is on the run. People are hunting him down. Um, he's fearing for his life, and he ends up hiding in this cave, the cave of the Dullam, um, up in this little cleft in a rock. And it says to him that basically everyone who came to him were like the bottom of society, came and joined him in this cave. It says the discontent, the indebted, and the distressed were drawn to him. The discontent, the indebted, and the distressed were drawn to him. And so they just end up being this like motley crew of people in a cave together going, life really hasn't worked out for us. 
But then the beautiful thing is it says that in the end they became the mighty men and women of valor. That from this place of coming together and saying, man, it really didn't work out. There was a healing that happened in that space together and that vulnerability and the discontent, the indebted and the distress coming together where they walked free. And so that's what we want this place to be too. Is if you are the discontent, you're just fired up and bugged off about how the world is. We want you to be able to come in here and be discontent. If you are distressed, we want you to be able to come in here and be distressed. If you are indebted, we want to help you to not be indebted, but we want you to be able to come here, to come here and, and live with the pain of that. But also, we want to, in the end, be the mighty woman and men of valor who walk out of there alive. Um, and, um, and so that is our second thing. The, um, the third is that we um, have a good friend who was here a couple of weeks ago called Cindy Rokiri. And Cindy is um, a prophet, really incredible prophet, who has been around right since uh, the start of Blueprints 15 years. And she brought us this word, must have been about um, 2010, about nine years ago. And she said, you are to be a prototype. And we got really excited about the idea of being a prototype. Because a prototype is like, it's like the weird car they build first. That, you know, you wouldn't actually drive in public, but everybody copies it. Um, and we're like, yeah, we want to be the weird car. That, like, <laughs> only a few people want to drive, but everybody's like, that's the start of something. Um, and she said to us, we would be this prototype. We got incredibly excited about this idea of being the prototype. Um, but what we realised is that you can't be an independent church who thinks you have all the answers on your own and be the prototype, um, that you actually, um, you actually have to belong to something. And, and long story short, um, we ended up being a part of this beautiful thing called um, the Anglican Church, um, Te Hahi Mihinari, the Missionary Church, and, um, and joining up with that, and that has been a part of our journey. But, but at our core, uh, we understand that we are actually here to be an example of um, the church to come. Um, there is this amazing uh, theologian with a horrible name called Phyllis Tickle. Um, and, um, and Phyllis Tickle um, says this thing. She said that every 500 years the church has a junk sale. And the church works out what it has left behind that it should never have left behind. And what it's picked up that it should never have picked up. And she said that the last one of these 500 year um, epochs was the Reformation. And last year we celebrated, or celebrated? We acknowledged, because it's complicated, um, we acknowledged 500 years since the Reformation. And so I think we sit in a moment here in church history where the church, um, particularly in the West, are working out like, man, why along the way did we pick up consumerism and baptise it as if it was the gospel? You know? And we're going now, no, 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 we need to cleanse ourselves of this. That is not who we are. That is incompatible with the life that Christ calls us to. And we start to look at the things which we have tried to sanctify and call God that actually aren't God. That there was no culture of excellence for Jesus, you know? <laughs> that there was, that there was, you know, that God was not a five-star God. That God was one who came down and dwelled among broken humanity. Um, and, so re- and so realizing that we've picked up some stuff we shouldn't have, but also realizing that we left some stuff behind. That every time the church got compromised throughout history, these groups of monks and nuns rose up and started these communities where they would reform the church. They'd break off to the side, and then in time, they would become the ones who made the church holy again. 
And so realising that we left behind some of the beautiful stuff, that we left behind liturgical prayer and we left behind common life together and we became individuals. And there's some things we need to rediscover together. So we're, we're in that, that space now and a prototype to that time in history. And if you just feel like sometimes the church is like particularly irrelevant at the moment, or like we have like really doubled down on doing everything that society is not interested in, there's a reason, and it's because we sit in one of these epochs right now where I think we are looking at what we left behind that we need to pick up and what we brought along with us that we have to, to let go of. Now, in Blueprint, we hold strange things together. There are certain theologies or ideas about God which are not supposed to be compatible. Um, so, for example, um, if you go along to a big Pentecostal rally, charismatic, jump around, planet shakers, good chances you are going to experience the power of God in a really amazing way. Good chance also you will not be told to know your neighbour more deeply. If you go along to a community house, maybe in, I don't know, the, the depths of, of one of the hardest parts of a community, you will see deep love for neighbour. But if you say, hey, let's pray for breakthrough, I just feel like revival is only a moment away, they're probably going to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> there are certain ideas in the church that we've said can't go together. And one of the weird things about Blueprint is we sort of didn't know these ideas couldn't go together, so we've kind of tried to push them together for years. A priest friend of mine says it's like we're trying to make salty caramel ice cream. These, these, these salty and sweet things that shouldn't go together but somehow works. So one thing we've been looking at this year is what is it about Blueprint that in, in our communities, which is like particularly unique. And so we looked at this thing that we have missional zeal, like we believe that we exist to go out, that we don't exist for the comfort of this community, but we exist for the restoration of our cities. We have this missional zeal. But we actually are coming to terms with the fact that we also have a Pentecostal spirituality, that we actually believe that when the Holy Spirit shows up, people can be miraculously set free from things. So we believe, you know, in the missional zeal that sometimes it's a long journey. It's a 10-year, 15-year, 20, 30-year journey. And for some reason, God doesn't seem to come through. And even in those spaces, we're supposed to be faithful. But we still believe that sometimes, for some reason, God shows up and someone is set free in a moment. We don't know why, but we hold these two things together. Weirdly, we take that Pentecostal spirituality and we hold it with an Anglican tradition. So we come here on a Sunday night and we speak out in tongues and we sing pinty songs and sometimes we even clap in time for brief moments. <laughs> but then we get together at 6.30 each night and we open the red fake leather prayer book and we read these, we read these scriptures together. And we light candles, you know, and we have a table here. We do the Eucharist because we actually think that it's not just about what God is doing in the future, but it's also about being connected to the history of what God has done with his people. And so we have this traditionalism within it. But also we believe in costly community. And I used to have up there authentic community, but I think the word authentic has kind of become meaningless in our culture now. Um, that really means about me doing what I want to do when I want to do it. But what we're about is costly community and that we really commit to each other, that we do conflict with one another, that we're not fair with the friends who walk away when it gets hard, but that actually we commit to costly community together and, um, and of, of, of deep journeying together. And at the centre of all of that is we are Jesus-centred because we are not a social service. And Jesus did not come to give the world a social service. Um, he did come to bring his kingdom of justice and love that would heal the world, but he is the centre of that mission 
and he is where that life comes from. So we hold these, these weird things together, and we are here to make disciples and renew the church. That's basically what we're for. So you will see that um, recently, anyone who sort of starts to get close to 30, we kick them out the door and ask them to start something else. <laughs> there are all these dead, empty buildings around the Diocese of Wellington waiting to be full of kingdom life. Just waiting. Our problem is not resource and money. Plenty of that around. We just need the leaders and the people who will go to them. So this place here, if you come in here, if you're 19 right now, here is my unashamed agenda. (laughs) We want to have you until you're ready to have babies and then kick you out to replant a church. (laughs) That's basically it. And if you don't want to have babies and you're 27, we still want to kick you out to plant a church. That is what this place is for is that we want this to be a place that disciples people to renew the church. That's what we're for. And that's why we're a little community. We're not here to become four or five hundred strong. Every time we get to a hundred, we're like, let's kick some more people out. (laughs) Let's kick some more people out and let's expand the kingdom. There are parts of Wellington that have no churches in them. There are whole suburbs with not one church in them, not one operational church in them. Some of you may have seen the Wilberforce uh, study that came out a couple of years ago, and it said that... um, it said that there is something like one in ten people in New Zealand don't know a Christian. That's crazy. Like, I bet one in ten people are around a Christian. Those people just aren't speaking up. They're not owning it. And so that's, that's what we're here for. So if you're here long enough, you don't have to have babies. I'm sorry. But we are going to kick you out eventually. We are going to bless you into the next thing. Um, and so this here is basically a recruitment and training ground. <laughs> you, unashamedly, that is what you are a part of. This, that is what you are here for. And if you just want to sit with us and heal, then that is fine too. But we are here to disciple people for the renewal of the church. That's what we're here for. And it's great, eh? Because I'm like up front. And if you don't want to be a part of it, then that's fine. Because <laughs> there's a lot of churches in Wellington. And we love them too. Um, so... Um, there you go, there's the hard sell. Um, so we have these, these communities, we have the Blueprint Congregation here, we have the Wellington Free Store, um, we have the Lyle Bay Community Church, and now we're starting to look at what we do for number four. So for that, um, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. Yeah, as, as uh, some of us were praying last year, we started to get a sense um, that God may be saying it was time to plant another community. And, uh, and we um, began to pray, and particularly Anna and I started to pray about where that would be. And we actually gave the whole month of September last year to pray every evening for where God might be leading this community. And we kept on getting the sense that it was, um, that it was Brooklyn, just up the hill from here, about a k and a half up the hill. And um, we started looking around Brooklyn and thinking, well, where does God want to put people in this community? And we were led um, to this big old Korean church on the hill um, with this like big like apartment, kind of four apartments next door to it. And we're like, man, imagine if there was like community happening in these four apartments and then they could just like three metre walk across and bring this church alive. That'd be really cool. It's not even, not even that far from town. And so for Lent, Anna was like, yeah, I think that's, that's the thing, thing you should like, you know, have a chat to, to Rose and the team about that. Okay, cool. I'm someone who gets really excited about an idea initially, and then the moment it looks like it could be a thing, I kind of back off and then be more convincing. So I'm like, Anna, I think we need Lent to pray again. She's like, oh gosh, what's wrong with you? Um, and, um, 
And during Lent, we had um, 48 hours of prayer, some of you were, were around for. And one night we were here at about midnight, maybe one in the morning, um, we're sitting in the back room and Era um, has this word. And he's like, oh, you know, because we, we put on the sheet of paper, like, where's the next community? And he's like, I just can't shake Brooklyn, eh? So I just can't shake it. He's like, and I just keep seeing that big Korean church up on the hill. <laughs> And Anna and I just start cracking up. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, and, um, and so um, things started to become, to become pretty clear to us. Um, so it's a place that needs a church. It's a K and a half in the city. Um, and the other word that we had around it um, is, um, is that it would become a high place where we could pray over the city um, and, um, yeah, and, and bless the city um, from above it. Um, so then we started to think... Um, well, who could do it? We thought, could it be Hamish? Like, no, he's too cantankerous. <laughs> we thought, well, maybe Etienne. But he has too many dietary requirements. <laughs> then we thought, maybe Nathan. But then who would do AV? <laughs> and then uh, Jess, actually. We wondered if Gidget would do it. But Gidget is legitimately a cat. So <laughs> that won't work. Um, <laughs> And anyway, what became um, really clear to us is that Anna and I needed to be the ones to do this. Um, so at the end of this year, um, Anna and I and uh, Fiona and Andrew, Fiona, do you want to wave your arm over there? Um, are going to be four of a team that, that we are going to ask, uh, assume that people are going to speak to other people within this community um, to go and, um, and plant a community there and plant a church in that space. Um, and so that, that obviously... Um, brings a lot of change to this place. I've lived this place for the last, uh, it'll be five years at the end of this year, um, and have been a part of this community for 13 years. Um, but um, it is more going to be, rather than um, a total opting out, it's going to be a bit of a sideways step. Um, some of you will be familiar with the, the language of fivefold ministry from Ephesians, which is this idea that there are pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and apostles. Um, and, um, and my calling is really strongly apostolic. Um, and so what that means is um, that I go start new things and I create the context in which the other gifts of the fivefold can thrive. Um, and so what is going to happen um, next year is that um, I'm going to move into a role of helping to support all our communities and to work out how we plant even more communities um, and so that this vision of discipling people and renewing the church will, will come to its fullness. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a few, a number of our people here who um, you see less of next year. Um, you'll see them at camp, um, and you'll see them at the key moments of our community. Um, you'll see me a little more than that as I'll continue to speak here, um, but you won't have me service leaving making inappropriate comments anymore. Um, and... Um, and <laughs> um, and so it's going, to be, it's going to be a big change. But one of the things that, um, that is really exciting about this um, for me is that we have such great leadership here at the moment, and we have such health in this place. When uh, Rose first came on to start helping me out around here, um, I said um, probably about a week in, I said, Rose, um, just flagging it, in six months I'm going to ask you if you're going to be around for a few years. Um, and, um, and so she sort of 
was quite nervous about that. And we had these ongoing conversations about me, like, are you around for the long haul? Because I need to know. I'm making plans. Um, and, um, and so anyway, we um, were always talking about the possibility of when God may call us to plant something else and of Rose holding this community. And, uh, and we were in India last year, a crew of us, and we were having this conversation in, um, on this, this tuk-tuk, this auto coming back um, from the school. And Rose was just like, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't have the same gifts as you. I don't know how to do this. And um, then we uh, came back to the house and a couple of people had come around um, who had offered to pray for us. And um, immediately, within about 10 minutes, one of them looks at Rose and gives this word um, and says, um, you have everything you need to do the thing you're being called to. I'm sorry if I stole part of your message there. I may have done. But I, like, I so believe in you, Rose, to lead this community. And I so believe in your heart and your humility to lead this place forward. And I um, am so excited for the new cohort of leaders who are coming up here and the people within this community who um, are, are beginning that journey of maybe one day renewing and planting something. I think this is a really, really special place. Um, and I am like 110% that God has given Rose everything she needs to be the person to lead it. Um, so having given the big picture, um, I want to invite Rose to come up and um, talk to specifically this community for, ooh, lights go out. It's going to be powerful. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Here you go, friend. Awesome. So good. Thank you, Scotty. Oh, I just love the slight Scotty re-edit of that story. We weren't coming back from the school. We were coming back from the beach. Um, it wasn't 10 minutes. It was probably two hours. But no, that, um, yeah, that story very much holds true. So um, That's right. It's not exaggerated. What is it? Um <laughs> Yeah, so just to kind of respond to that little piece, I have been at Blueprint about four years, and does someone want to just turn the lights back on? Sometimes they pop back on if they need it too warm. Anyway, thank you. Um, yeah, been at Blueprint for about four years, and um, Scotty invited me uh, to come work and serve in this place, and a picture I had around that after saying yes was um, one of where Jesus invites Peter to get out of boat and walk on water um, and very much the sense at that time that it wasn't for me to figure out the logistics of how you walk on water but just to respond to the invitation to get out of the boat and um, yeah one of the, the really um, strong messages that the crew um, that went to India last year kind of took away one of the things we gleaned from um, the people we met over there was um, to say yes to the invitations of God before you know where your provision will come from before you've, you've been able to work it all out. And so, yeah, very much God's invitation to me was that I have what I need um, to say yes to this call, even if I don't perceive that. And so the journey for me has been to trust in how God sees me and not how I see me. And I think probably a lot of you can resonate with, yeah, there being maybe a disconnect between how you see yourself and how God sees you. So, um, yeah, may that story be an encouragement to you. Just how you see yourself isn't isn't the end of the story. So we're going to go from that yarn into Vision Sunday. So for those of you who are, um, I, was saying, I was saying to the crew earlier, Vision Sunday is kind of just a name for an extra long sermon um, and a bit of story time. Um, so we get we get the chance to say 
where we've been and how God has transformed us into a people uh, to this very moment. And then to look ahead and say, where is God leading us into the next season and who are we becoming? And so um, the leadership crew at Blueprint have been thinking on what is the kind of thing that God is calling us into. Where is God calling us to become an ongoing people of transformation? And yeah, the theme that we want to offer um, this year that we feel God is leading us into is freely you have received, so freely give. Now some of you may recognize this, it comes from Matthew 10, where Jesus um, sends out the 12 disciples um, into the neighborhood. So the disciples have been with Jesus, they've um, seen him do crazy things like healing people and um, restoring people to their community where they might have been um, sort of shunned because of maybe a physical ailment or religious associations with those physical ailments. And he's gone into the synagogue and he's preached in power. These amazing things have happened. And now Jesus says to the 12 disciples, oh, it's your guys' time to, to go and give. You've, you've seen this, you've received this, now, and now you go out. And we read, don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Freely you have received, freely give. And I want to share this with you um, because some of the ways we've, we've felt this call is that on the little um, kind of diagram that Scott had up there before, we feel that the, the big kind of push for us is to move more into this area of missional zeal. And so, yeah, that was kind of a, a sense that we had that that would be a growing edge for this community this year. And then during the amazing weekend of um, prayer of a Blueprint's 15th birthday, another thing that came out was um, of the need to come before Jesus and um, receive his love, to come and um, have our feet washed by Jesus as um, the disciples had their feet washed by Jesus. And to remember that we um, are loved extravagantly, that we are invited to the table with Christ. And so we have these two senses, both of needing to receive, but also um, to give our lives away. And so this is kind of captured in this, in this little phrase. And um, for those of you who were here last year, we do Vision Sunday every year, and the theme that we kind of brought forward for the year last year was about reconciliation, being a reconciled people. And I think this flows beautifully on from that because last year it was a journey around um, being seen by God um, and being reconciled by God, being seen and known by one another, being reconciled to one another as the family of God. And we talked about being agents of reconciliation out into the world as part of that too. But reflecting back on the year, I, I feel that the biggest way God really um, led us in that was around um, a kind of inward reconciliation, a reconciliation within ourselves and within our kind of church whanau. And that, yeah, there was a reconciliation for a lot of us around the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and a realization that it's the Spirit who unites us and it's the Spirit that speaks to us. And it's the spirit that's the one that renews us in our love and energy, creativity and wisdom. And so we, we grew in being a reconciled people, inwardly and together. And then um, a few weeks ago, um, Cindy Ruokiri was back with us and she was um, sharing this kind of challenge, laying down the challenge to us to be a people of re reconciliation out into the world. 
And I really see that there's um, a flow on here from this reconciliation that we have have known um, kind of inwardly and together to be a people of reconciliation in the world, a people of um, extravagant love to the world. And so this is where we're going to go this year. And we're going to kick off um, in this with Seasonal Guide 2, which comes out at the start of June. And we will be doing four weeks on um, receiving and then four weeks on giving. And beautifully, um, the scripture that starts that off is um, Pentecost, so the coming of the Holy Spirit, the receiving of the Spirit before um, the disciples are sent out. And so tonight, we're not going to finish this conversation. We're just going to start it. But I'm going to kind of kick us off sharing kind of three big ideas around this theme of freely you have received, so freely give. And so the first one is that God makes the first move. I've been reading this book by this guy called Sean Bowles, and um, it says, God is, he says, God is so invested in his love for humanity that his love can be seen everywhere. Not only that, but he is constantly pointing it out to everyone, trying to make the connection with all humanity. He is giving us every chance he can to give us the life he intended for us. The presence of God is in the whole earth. And I love this um, bit of Psalm 139, which says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the winds of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God's glory and his presence is everywhere. And it's not just his um, his rules or his ideas, but it's very, his very presence. God is so big that he is everywhere, and he is constantly longing to speak and to connect with us. And we know that the very heart of God is love. So God always makes the first move. He always exists first. He always loves first. In 1 John 4, we read, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for us. And in Romans 5, we read, You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So our very existence responds to the reality that God is across the whole earth. We cannot beat God to it. He is already there. He is already loving us even before we're aware of it, before we can acknowledge it. And this love we see is most fully revealed in Jesus. Jesus came to show and tell that there is good news. And that good news is that God so loved the world that he wants to redeem all broken things and he wants to restore relationship between himself and the world. So that's our our first point. The second point is that God wants us to freely receive. And um, a question that I would love to kind of put to you guys as homework this, this week is to think, what have you received from God? And I think for some of us, if we've been walking with God for a long time, We can get forgetful about what God has given us. And um, something that I know um, Scotty and Anna and the crew have been praying into around Brooklyn is that God is the one who 
farms the hills, and owns the cattle on the hills, and the houses on the hills, and it's all God's really. And so um, remembering that. And I think, yeah, I did a little kind of brainstorm thing the other day about like, what have I received from God? And I found it to be, um, yeah, really challenging to think that through. So take that as homework if you want. But I think in summary, what we receive from God is an invitation into the fullness of life in Christ. The fullness of relationship with the one who created all things. Jesus came saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, both now and eternally. Jesus invites the disciples to follow him, to receive from him a different way of living, to receive the truth and to have life, and to find meaning beyond themselves. And he invites us to receive that too. I love this picture in, in Revelation 3 where we... Um, Jesus just says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with them and they will be with me. Jesus wants to dine with us. Jesus wants to commune with us. Jesus wants to sit around and um, to know us. He wants um, us to receive his hospitality, his community. As, as Scott was saying about the a thing that we remember at Eucharist, at the Eucharist table, God um, longs to um, have us at the same table and connect with us there. And so we can see that God um, wants to invite us to receive so many good things. And the challenge for us is this. We need to learn to recognize where he already is because God is already there. His love is already there set before us and then respond to that invitation to say, I want to receive what you have to give. And another thing that we receive um, as part of this and this kind of love and invitation we have from God is an invitation into the community of God. We get this new identity as God's children and that also means that we get a lot of brothers and sisters. We get adopted into a really big family and that is what Blueprint is. That is, yeah, that's us. We are a little part of God's really big family and yeah, my invitation to you tonight as part of this talk is to come and be part of this family. Be here, join us here. Whether you're the little rito shirt or you're the aferito or you're the tupuna, come and be here and be part of this family. Because it isn't about the one leaf with the flax plant. It's about the whole plant that grows together. It's about a story of transformation and growth together being nourished by a common source in God, to receive all of this and in the process to be transformed, to be a people who are transformed into the new self, the truest version of ourselves, um, our life which is hidden in the fullness of Christ. And then the third thing I want to share is that God invites us to freely give. And this is what we're going to major on this year, that the journey is toward freely giving, this is the heart of what the church calls mission. To give away the generous love of Jesus. And as I, as I said earlier, God has already made the first move. God is already out in the world. Mission is going on in the world and we go out and we meet God where he already is. And this, um, in that little kind of quote thing up there, you see there's that term, Messiah Day, which we'll come back to. So we, we go out to where God already is and we partner with God. We co-labor with God. 
And a picture I had around this is um, that scripture that says, um, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me. And so that, that scripture gets pulled out a lot around, I guess, receiving the rest of God. And um, just to digress slightly in this, so the yoke refers to the kind of wooden thing that goes over like an oxen. And so you have like the little baby cow, calf, Ooh, farm girl roots obviously been lost. Um, the calf, <laughs> like the, the little the little one, and then you have the big one, and then they have the kind of thing that spans over the two of them. And Jesus' invitation is to be, he is the big one that takes the weight. And so that we come alongside Jesus and we are kind of, I guess, tethered by this yoke to Jesus. And that it's Christ that carries the weight. But it's not just that. Like what occurred to me is that that doesn't mean you can go off this way because you're actually now tethered to Jesus. Jesus is carrying the weight, but now you are keeping in step with Jesus. And so we co-labor and we are connected and um, Christ carries us in that. And so, yeah, we go to meet where God, where he already is, and we partner with God there. And then our work is pointing out to others the presence of where God is already among them and within them. And this is the good news. And so this term Maseo Day really emphasizes to us that both Jesus and the Spirit were sent. God is on mission. That is God's gift. Maseo Day is um, this Latin term that can be translated as mission of God. And the idea in this is that God has plans which are being worked out and that we as God's family um, join in with those plans. We are on mission with God, but our work is only a subset of God's mission. So it's like God's mission, and then we are kind of part of a bit of it. Our plans are not the sum total of God's plans. God has other purposes and activities that he's up to. And we get to join into some of those. God calls us into those. And I find this really encouraging because it reminds me that it's more than just the sum of human effort. And that it's not all up to me. I have been given agency and capacity to do things, but I join in with God. And there's this beautiful prayer that I think just so captures this. It says, this is what we are about. We plant seeds that will one day grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything. And there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. And the idea of Maseo Day reminds us that it's not our mission. It's not Blueprint's mission. It's God's. We join in the endless pouring out of love that God started and that God will finish. And I think knowing this should liberate us. It should liberate us to freely give without fear. 
Certainly for me, um, as I said before, I didn't feel like I had the capacity to step up and lead Blueprint. And God directly told me that I had what I needed <laughs> and that God wanted me to give who I was. So apparently, I am enough. <laughs> the tasks we are given that seem beyond us, that seem to far exceed us, I think, I think God just calls us to, to give ourselves wholeheartedly anyway, and that's part of the point. I think often how God sees us is different to how we see us. And Jesus' call for generosity comes to us nonetheless. Jesus' call to generosity is absurd and beyond us. And entering into it becomes an opportunity for his generosity to become evident. And so going back to Jesus sending out the disciples in Matthew 10. They had been with Jesus. They had seen him teaching and kind of doing stuff. And there's this moment where they've got to figure out, do we really know this? Is this really us? And you guys can probably relate to that. You know, I'm sure all of you were driven in a car before you came to learn to drive a car. It's like, I've, I've been in the car a lot, but do I know how to do this? These moments where we have to step out and, and actually realize what our learning means. I bet the disciples didn't feel like they knew what they were doing. But they were invited by Jesus to give away the best thing that they had. And I think, um, just to take a little story from this year, in my experience, sometimes you realize what you've been, uh, what you've received when you give it away. Yeah, so this year, Alana and I are, are bunking and sharing a room, and Lana's been on holiday for a couple of weeks, and so I was back to not sharing a room, which I had been my norm for like 27 years, and I hadn't really thought about being grateful for having my own space, or that that was even really a thing that enabled me to live a certain way before. I didn't realise it was something I received until I chose to give it up. But I'm learning a lot in that space, and I am really grateful for the fact that in the past, I did have my own space. And yeah, I just think that there's something powerful about that generosity and what you learn in the process of that. So Jesus sends out the 12 disciples saying, freely you have received, freely give. And they go out and they're faced with the situations they'd seen Jesus encounter. And they had the opportunity to try and see what they'd learn to give away the knowledge that they've kind of seen and heard, to give away the secrets of God and to offer uh, God's liberation and forgiveness, to extend meaning in life, to give away the best thing they've been given. And this is what we're called to, too. Um, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 28, after Jesus has um, gone to the cross and um, risen again, and he meets with his disciples and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this is what the church calls the Great Commission. And I like to think of that as like co-mission, kind of like co-laboring. Big cow, little calf, yoke, together, co. Where we cooperate with God and we meet God on God's mission and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to go with God and to meet God where he already is in the world. And so, yeah, this has just been a little bit of a kind of teaser for this year. 
I started in getting us thinking about this and how we understand God's work in the world and how we can receive from Jesus and how we can um, respond to Jesus' call to give. So just to recap, God is the one we meet in the world. God is always the one that makes the first move, that loves us first, that invites us first. But God is also on mission and God invites us to meet him there, giving away the best thing we've been given. And so, who was here when Sundaro Kiri came for the week? A few, few people? Awesome. So she um, kind of brought this phrase around mission interrupted and the story of the gospel and, and God's work in Aotearoa. And we want to contend for mission re-engaged. And there are a number of different aspects to this, but our core belief is that Jesus Christ and the fullness of Christ is good news for all people today. The fullness of Christ is good news for people not just in their spirits, but in a kind of holistic sense of themselves. Christ is good news for the heart, the mind, the soul, and the body of people today. And so Blueprint as a people, we want to pursue a way of life together, of inviting others in to join us in this good news. And this is why we as a community are people that live hospitality, are people that live worship and scripture and prayer. This is why as a community we seek to grow our minds and grow our hearts so that we can continue to understand more of who God is and who he's calling us to be and continue to make space for others to share his love through us. This is why we're a community that values giving up our comfort to bless others, to bring the good news. And so I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to a few people in this community um, about ways that I see that this is happening already because there's actually just so much cool stuff going on. So yeah, I've loved in the last wee while hearing stories of Jay and Hannah and Jess and Ez kind of wanting to, to point to um, Jesus in their workplaces, just being real about the, the good news that he is for them in their life um, and what that means for how they make decisions, what they do with their time, and how they move through the world. And they are sharing that with the people around them. I think that's so awesome. I want to acknowledge the boldness of Jessie, who threw in her job as a public servant to go and share the good news up in Kelvin and to serve at the chaplaincy and to... Um, yeah, just go into a really unknown space and to leave a chapter house there. Of Tommy and Brooke, who have moved cities to be here, to, to follow God's call to Wellington and to serve him here. Just costly. For the crew at the free store, bringing the love of God in a physical, emotional and spiritual way to people day in and day out. For Lana and Lindley and Max, serving in that place. And for the crew who regularly volunteer there. Era and Lyle and Ty and Lydia and a whole bunch of other people. For the crew, um, for Paul, making amazing soup to show hospitality to people. For the crew that head out of the house at 9.30 on a Wednesday night to go when the rest of us are kind of thinking about going to bed. To play handball on the streets to create a space of joy um, and belonging and connection in the neighbourhood. Nathan, Jeremy, is lots of cool people. So this year we have 18 people who are living in chapters and um, who have changed jobs and moved house and committed to a rhythm of life together. And that commitment um, stacks up to saying yes to 156 nights a year <laughs> to, to, to pursuing this deeper calling of, um, of mission and discipleship. 
which is a pretty big deal. I don't know. We don't really widely advertise that it's 156 nights a year. Hopefully people will forget that by October. But um, yeah, that's pretty freaking big. Yeah, also I've just recently been so like moved and encouraged to hear about people sharing with their friends and their flatmates about their faith and what it means to them. And to bring them to be part of this community and just say, come along and join me here. That is living generously giving away the good thing that you have been given. And another part of this joy and missional re-engagement is that we are all based in a context. And that context is Aotearoa. And context matters. God is at work here and is on mission here and has been in this land before there were any people here and has been speaking with Tangata Whenua of this land before missionaries arrived. And this matters because this land has particular stories and particular um, customs, a particular people with particular language, and that matters to God. That is precious to God. And so as people who love God, this land and its people should matter deeply to us. And so a big part of mission in the context of Aotearoa is cultural reconciliation. And I'm so encouraged to know people from this community and out in Lao Bay who are enrolled at Te Wanana and who do the work to learn the reo. And at Blueprint, we want to acknowledge that um, this language is a gift, the, the language of this land is a gift. And so we want to treasure that and uphold that in how we worship and pray here. And yeah, recently it's just been really beautiful to meet people in this community who are going on a, a journey for um, re-engaging with their Māori tanga and connecting to their whakapapa and learning about um, the places that they are from, who maybe people that have been estranged from that. And that is so so beautiful and such an exciting thing to see happening and as a blueprint leadership crew we've been um, connecting with the tikanga maori church down at pipitea marae and that's been really special so those guys meet once a month on a sunday morning and so we've been getting along to connect with them over the last year and just kind of learning from those guys and developing a relationship there which has just been super special so all this to say really great stuff is happening and that is just so exciting we are not starting from zero, but God is calling us into greater things still. And so, for those of you who are new, this is a great service to be at, because I'm just going to hit through really quickly, because you guys are all waning. Yeah, how we, how we do this currently, but also a couple of things that we're going to be bringing in to kind of further this journey this year. And so, yeah, community gatherings, you guys are here. You obviously found out about um, our Sunday service which is awesome. So this is our, our big kind of family gathering of the week. And it matters It matters to get together here and celebrate this time together. But yeah, a whole bunch of us also meet for prayer um, each weeknight at 6.30 down at St. Peter's on Willow Street or St. Mike's up in Calvin, which is the cute little brick church up there. So we, we think it, it matters together in the name of God and to be in, in word and worship together. But it also matters to have companionship to be people who are connected to one another and I guess the main vehicle we have for that is seasonal guides and um, a whole bunch of you are part of those which is awesome we're going to have the new guide coming out in June and then later in the year just to mix it up because Scotty's a bit addicted to change we're going to go kind of podcast guide 
um, which is going to be which is going to be really awesome. It's going to be kind of probably like fifteen minutes, so a bit of a longer run through some ideas where we're going to kind of cov- cover the um cover. <laughs> I'm getting tired. Um, yeah, we're going to cover some of the core parts of faith together, which is going to be really awesome. And so, yeah, the seasonal guide format is a vehicle for connection and encouragement of spending time with God together, which is so great. And it's this plus, um, I guess, the common life we have together as part of being family together, that our lives weave in and out of one another's, that God um, is revealing himself to us in the world around us and within one another. We eat together and we go for walks together and we pray in the park and we recommend each other books and some people watch TV and we hang out and we share ourselves. And that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. So we do hospitality. We, um, we are brothers and sisters and we, we yeah, want to extend our love to one another. Um, you guys have heard heaps about camp. Nothing more needs to be said about camp, but it's on the list. <laughs> Who here is like a little bit unclear on what chapters are? I heard the word thrown around. Nathan, Jeremy. Yeah, actually, some Yes. Bullshit. Oh, a lady sweared from the front. Um, yeah. So, so chapters is this thing we do where people um, come together to serve Jesus in a particular place. Um, and we organize ourselves around households. So we have um, a house on Cuba Street, a house on Kensington Street, and a house up in Kelvin, which is nice because of the, what is it? Sound. Alliteration. Alliteration? Assonance? Assonance? No. Not assonance. <laughs> Nay, assonance. Yeah, we organize ourselves around households. There's <laughs> just so huge. English major debate. <laughs> yeah, and we want to be good news to the neighbourhoods around us in those places. And so that's why we have a rhythm of life together where we pray and do hospitality and are on mission. Growing our character and having our buttons pressed by showing up in each other's lives again and again so that we can learn how to love better. And so all of this stuff is stuff that's kind of pre-existing. <laughs> You guys are doing super well. <laughs> I kind of need some water, but that's all right. We're getting there. Um, great. Thanks. Long night. Yay. So, oh, look. Second order. What's that? <laughs> so great. Oh, thanks, friends. Really appreciate this. The idea of second order is that back in the day, um, in the kind of medieval traditions of the Franciscans and the Benedictine monasteries, they had this kind of three three different group structure of people that could serve and be part of their life. So they had this kind of first order thing where there were monks who um, lived together and had vows of poverty and silence together, and they kind of lived in these communities. And then the second order would be people from maybe around surrounding villages who would come into those kind of monastery spaces and would pray and gather with those monks. They were people that didn't live on site, maybe they had families and things like that, but they were part of that rule of life. And then the third order would be people who couldn't perhaps um, like travel to get to that community um, for prayer, but that they would pray from where they were and would be, I guess, a kind of remote 
connection to that community. And so we really feel that there's an opportunity um, for us to expand the way that people can participate in rhythms of prayer and mission in Blueprint. So in chapters, we live together, and that's quite full-on and also logistically challenging. But we want to be able to open up um, those rhythms of life um, to people to join that in some way. And so this kind of idea formed around having a non-residential community of people who were committed to mission and prayer and spiritual formation. And so um, from June, we're going to do a small kind of pilot with this for three months with a, with a crew of people to try and kind of, um, I guess, introduce this and try this on as a way of life. And so that'll consist of getting along to evening prayers at St. Mike's or St. Peter's three times a week, of participating um, in life at the free store or um, in playing handball on, on Wednesdays, and, um, and having a kind of small group that, that goes along with that, and also getting along to Blueprint on Sunday. Because, you know, why would you want to miss it with content like this? Yeah, and so Scotty is going to be heading that up. And so if that is something that kind of floats your boat or floats your goat, um, then just go and see Scotty. He will be swanning around later, possibly by the palm, possibly not. But yeah, has some information about that that you guys can, can take away. And um, yeah, the last thing to touch on is that in kind of pursuing further kind of cultural reconciliation around Te Māori, later this year we're going to be going on Noho um, and opening that up for, for people from this community to come to. So this is your chance. Um, perhaps you've never sat on a marae before. This is your time. Um, if you have, great, get along. Yeah, that's just going to be a cool cool time of learning and connection uh, for us. So stay tuned for details on that. And as well as that, um, the ongoing friendship with Pipitea, the church that meets at Pipitea Marae, as well as people's kind of ongoing individual journeys of study and kind of learning the stories of this land. So more to come in this space. And so final thing I just want to say is call this place home. Join us, be part of this whānau. Yeah. Cool. I think that's the end of Vision Sunday Chats. <laughs> and it's like, whoo! <laughs> Specifically, we would really love for you to pray around second order, the kind of way things are coming together for Brooklyn, and the ongoing journey around um, cultural reconciliation in Aotearoa, and our kind of journey within that. So, yeah, we need your guys' intercession, we need your prayers, this is all of our thing. So, um, yeah, stand up, stretch, pray, and while we do that, the worship crew is going to come up. <laughs> 